We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy one conversation at a time. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Key, president of Pioneer X. Today, I'm here with Mark and Marsha. Hi, I'm Mark Bivens, vice president of sales for Pioneer X. Hi, I'm Marsha Bivens, marketing director. Today, we are super excited to be here with Kathy Campbell, who you may know as Dr. Kathy. She's the owner of Medicap Pharmacy and CEO of Dr. Kathy, the health consulting wing of her practice. Just tell us a little bit about you. Well, uh, sure. So, uh, Dr. Kathy Campbell, I own an independent pharmacy in a suburb of Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's in Owasso, Oklahoma. I've actually been practicing as a pharmacist in Owasso since 1992. So I'm 29 years and have relationships with my patients that go back that far. Nice. Uh, This Actually, within the next three weeks, I will be celebrating my 20th year of ownership. I u't know how that happened. I think I'm just stubborn enough to still be here (laughs) doing it. Um, Very proud of that, though. Yep. It's an awesome accomplishment. Yeah, it it really is. And there have been times it did not look very pretty, let me tell you. So Really? um, Who I am is that you have a great life, Okay. And who I am for every patient that walks in here is that they have great lives. And what I know about having a great life is that health is foundational to that. And so I have a certain skill set. I have a certain ability to disseminate science. I love science. I'm a science geek. But I love science that actually uh, impacts the quality of people's lives. So I like science that's implemented, right? And so God gave me some kind of a special ability to see the science and then help people implement it in their life. And I've done that my whole career, but about eight or nine years ago, it became very clear to me in the independent space that uh, we've lost control of the business model. Because when you're a mm, businessman yep. and you have no control over the margin, you have no control over your future. Right. right? Yep. And uh, I'm just stubborn enough that I didn't want to do that. Plus, the people that I had been serving, you know, this year, I have I will have known these people as long as I knew my mother. So I didn't want those people to keep getting sicker and sicker. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get that call that says Mary has cancer. Right. Right. So I had a real a real heart for people not being sick. And then I started looking at why the medications we dispensing were not particularly working. And I've been nagging people about vitamin D for 20 years. Hmm. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was pretty anxious. I thought, well, I haven't talked about this fast enough. I haven't launched other pharmacists. I haven't done stuff. Uh, how many people are going to die because I didn't speak fast enough? But long about the middle of the pandemic year, uh, it occurred to me that there were people alive because I said anything, okay? And so I like the science, and I started digging into the science beyond pharmacology. And 
you know, medications are not even supposed to work, but as an adjunct to diet and exercise. Right. right? Mm. Yep. And yeah. so I, I started talking more and more to my patients about that. And then you couple that with my own personal journey of weight, right? So I, I said it on the TED, the TEDx that I come from a big family. So historically, obesity has been about 10% prior to the 50s. You saw 10% of the human population have obesity. Uh, I think that's, uh, you know, how we survive famine. You know, 90% would die off and then we'd be there to repopulate, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. So that We're was survivors. Right. right. We're survivors. Well, I, my family was always part of the 10%. You know, I, I noted I was uh, 100 pounds at five years old in 1972. Wow. Uh, my, gran my grandfather weighed 350 pounds in 1930. Uh, you know, there was no food Man. anywhere. That's yeah. depression. Yeah, I was going to say, that's so, the what, did, what did he do? What, where where he was, was a, he? He was a milkman, actually. Milkman, he okay. owned a creamery, and he worked every day. Skimming a little lived, off the top, maybe? Well, <laughs> you know, he, had, he delivered. So he had a, a 5 a.m., 4 a.m., you know, route yep. uh, for 50 years. And that probably is part of the reason he lived to be almost 90 and died of an asthma attack, right? Oh, he didn't oh, die wow. of the complications of obesity. He, his body was just built differently. So luckily, I was big in a big family, so I didn't have the shame and trauma that many end up getting with that kind of obesity. I also was kind of smart, and people kind of liked me and kind of friendly enough, and so I ended up not being particularly stigmatized with the psychological impact of being overweight. Now, that didn't mean that I didn't not want to be that. So I worked on my health. Um, I worked on weight my whole life. I mean, I was on medications, phentermine at eight. I did 20 years of weight loss programs. I've had weight loss surgery. I've done it all. And in that journey, trust me, I've studied it more than almost any, uh, any PhD. Uh, and then my patients, I was studying my patients and then I was studying the science that I'd come across and, you know, I just had my own, my, I really was studying it for my daughters and they weren't even born yet. Right. right? I yeah. was like, I got to help figure this out for my daughters. So about six years. So when I, when I determined that the business model was broken, I knew something had to give. And I actually said to my staff about eight or nine years ago, how do you be a pharmacy and not fill prescriptions? Mm -hmm. So that was the paradox. That was the dilemma. Because it was very clear to me that I could not stay in business at a negative margin. Right. I mean, I don't have to be good at business. And I actually consider myself a business hack. Uh, I'm not good at business. <laughs> my patients really don't care. They don't want me to be good at business. They want me to be an excellent clinician. Uh, the problem is if I am not have a certain skill set at business, I don't get to be here for them. So I've had to learn a few things. But when I was really thinking about, you know, how do you be a pharmacy and not sell prescriptions? What I determined was I'm going to keep my patients from needing prescriptions and they're going to pay me to do that. Right. Okay. Yep. But from business standpoint, that means I had to sell a different product than what traditionally showed up in pharmacies. So I had to create a new product, and then I had to market a new product, and then I had to deliver value. 
Uh, and that turned out to be the weight loss program because I actually had a marketing guy come in to try to upsell me on some billboards. And he had great marketing skills. And we were trying to figure out what to do. And, and I was saying, well, I don't want to sell more prescriptions at a loss. You right. know, so right. this volume thing is not a game that I want to play. I just didn't see it as how I wanted to spend my life. I said, uh, he, I said, I don't, I want my patients to be well. He said, well, I can't sell that. Uh-huh. And then I, I mentioned weight loss and he about fell off the chair. He said, well, I can sell that. I can sell that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So what I, so we started, he said, you build the program, I'll build the marketing. And they were both critical to uh, the implementation. Um, so I pulled together my best assessment of the science and then I created a structured program. So that's probably really what has gotten me in front of you guys today yep. is because it was so out of the box. Um, it's so um, different, uh, but man, it's very rewarding because I'm, I, what, the way I approach weight is very different than what society says. It's all about eat less and exercise more. And I say that's completely wrong, completely wrong. Okay, so first off, in all of your research, in, a, in, a, in conjunction with what you just stated, what would you say is the number one lie that people get told when they're looking on the internet about weight loss? Calories. It's the chemistry, not the calories that count. Interesting. What do you mean by that? So one 32-ounce soda is 750 calories. Do you know how much broccoli that is? I'm going to go with like five pounds. I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> You're probably really close. It's like 24 cups of broccoli. Okay. So, oh, wow. And the thing about plants is, you know, we think it's calories. So we've had this real reductionist thinking around uh, this is the recipe, right? And to be honest, every person is biochemically unique. So really, there is no one diet. Because your genetics and how you process thing is you're the only you. So what I actually do is coach people in understanding them mm. and figuring out in our process what is the best approach for them. Because uh, if you had somebody who was of Indian, you know, Eskimo Indian descent, their body's going to process what they put in their body very differently than somebody who's possibly Indian because of the environment and because of the genetic adaptation. So. Uh, there is no one, but the biggest lie is that it's all about the calories because trust me, if you just had calories from soda, you'd be one sick person. What I kind of developed and what I've been teaching pharmacists to think about is we've been trained in pharmacology. Pharmacology, we're the experts. Bar none, nobody gets trained in that kind of biochemistry in medicine any better than the pharmacist, right? But then you've got what I started looking at was the food pharmacology, the science of the chemistry in the food. But let me tell you, those two are easy compared to the last one, which is stress pharmacology. That one's very tricky and very difficult. And so if you guys all gained weight this last year, let me tell you, I can tell you why, because it's been one of the most unbelievably stressful years that I think humans have endured uh, in the last two centuries. Well, at least century. Um, it's been, it's been a big year. What do you tell patients that 
are under a lot of that stress, feeling that stress, what do you tell them to get them going on the, you know, on your program and how your body's reacting? That's a great question. What I do is acknowledge them and acknowledge the fact that their body has done remarkable uh, adaptations for them to be sitting across from me mm. because the body is there to survive. And I see everything that the body's doing as totally appropriate to the environment, right? So if they gained 100 pounds, that was totally appropriate, okay? That's what the body had to do to survive. And not to mention their whole life and whatever the body had to endure through the life, it often actually brings forward. And there is some research to even suggest, and this is kind of mind-blowing, that whatever your grandparents survived, your body is still manifesting. So first of all, I acknowledge them and celebrate them. And let me tell you, that doesn't happen to patients right now very much anywhere. No, no. Yeah. Usually it's kind of a, you're solely responsible for the way you look and mm -hmm. it's your fault. A lot of shame, a lot of trauma. Yep. Um, in a quick, quick rewind. Um, and that was a, that was a great introduction there. Um, you didn't, there was a pace, I think I heard that you say that you got your doctor of pharmacy like a decade later than your first degree. Is that right? And what was your first yeah. degree in? One was a, a bachelor's of zoology and then a bachelor's of pharmacy. Uh, and then what was interesting in about 1999, I started on the non-traditional PharmD path. I committed to opening the pharmacy in 2000 and got pregnant with my first child in January of 2000. So I, I jokingly say the most ill-informed thing I've ever done in my life is open a pharmacy and have my first baby four months later. Ill-informed. But <laughs> now, now I say that it's God saying, here, balance. Figure this mm. out. Mm. And it was a, a great lesson. But looking back, I was at my highest weight during that period. Okay? Lots of stress. About a year, yeah. Year later, I opened a second pharmacy and had a couple of years later, a second pharmacy, second baby, uh, completing my doctor. Is that you thinking uh, they go together, right? <laughs> they, yeah, they, they got to well, have a be successful. They pair nicely. Gotta, they they pair nicely. It seemed like the thing to Good do theory. at the time. <laughs> but I was up to 322 pounds. Wow. And I wasn't, I wasn't eating any differently. Mm. Uh, it was interesting because two pharmacies, two babies – completing my doctorate 2005 and my dad needed a heart transplant. So, you know, like all of us pharmacists, we are primary caregivers to anybody in our family that are sick because they come to us for that information. So it was an interesting time and how my body reacted to that. And looking back, it informed me a lot uh, as I as I created the protocols and created the strategy that I help patients with. I I can really look at that. That's where I really started diving into the concept of stress pharmacology. So how are, what are the kids doing? Tell us a little, we get to have a little bit of fun here. So sure. tell me, tell me about sure. the, You said two girls, two girls. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're great. Emma and Abby and Emma is 19 years old. She graduated in 2020. That was an interesting oh, thing. Man, that's oh, a wow. weird year to have a yeah. senior. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It was very interesting. And it was in, 
I realized I needed the the I needed the graduation more than she did because I needed the acknowledgement of those eighteen years of investment. So, <laughs> I needed my vindication. Uh, Several parents yeah. got involved this past May. That's true. She's great, and she she went to the dorms at University of Oklahoma for a semester, and that was kind of that was a, you know what it was, and so now she's working towards her. Uh, business degree. She's got oh. some great skills. Nice. Uh, she wants to get an MBA pretty quickly and she's just knocking it out. And then my youngest daughter is Abby. And let me tell you, she's 16 and pandemic is a fantastic time to teach a kid how to drive because oh, there was yeah. nobody, we're, we're there. On, nobody the on the road. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we did that too, kind yeah, of, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah we, we did. Yeah. So Abby's doing high school, and that's a tricky thing because high school by Zoom at a time where they are all in on social connection, and there's just not that. And so uh, she's kind of has a job, and she's really thrived in the job area. So it's been tricky, very tricky year for a lot of things, but they're wonderful girls. I'm very proud. I kind of jokingly say they benefited from my benign neglect and me being at the pharmacy a lot. So they're very independent and very self-sufficient young women. <laughs> I'm, us- I, I, I'm using that. As I, well. I can't <laughs> imagine daughters of you being daughters of yours being anything else, right? But thank you. <laughs> independent and self-determined. So uh, my my daughter has Dr. Kathy in her phone. She just she all of her friends. I'm just Dr. Kathy. I'm looking. So. Yeah, Dr. I'm looking. K. I'm looking behind you. I see your Dr. Kathy. Um, it looks like a pouch or something like that behind you. Yeah, there's a couple products here. You know, I've been I had vendors trying to get me to private label forever, but it wasn't till I started the weight loss protocol that I decided to private label and standardize my my uh, supplements uh, because you know I needed to figure and I tell patients this all the time. I have to know that the supplement is standard and quality because I, when I recommend something, I got to know if my recommendation was wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't, I can't have the variation on the supplement side. And, and I've been working with these companies. I actually have like three different companies that I've developed this line with because I just got used to using clinically these particular products. And I'm pretty conservative with supplements. I, I'm not a pill for nil girl. Mm. I actually think we've got to do it as much as possible with food and with lifestyle. Um, we have to. The body just works that way. And so that's really what I'm doing in the weight loss. The weight loss is what we had to call it to get people's attention and market it. But the actual program is a health program. Um, and because I take the assertion that weight is appropriate to the environment and the inputs, what we're trying to do is create a change in those inputs uh, so that the body reacts differently. So it's, it sounds like you learned the hard way that weight loss sells better than wellness. Is, is, well, is that yeah. what you mean? Yeah. Is, is that kind of what you're at? Well, how y'all landed on weight loss is, is, is like your marketing guy said, it's hard to sell wellness, but I can sell weight loss. I, yeah. I mean, that was part of it for sure. But you know, what was interesting is he did a good job and we did a good job very early on crafting the message. If you look at our Google reviews mm-hmm. on the weight loss program, people very clearly could distinguish that we were something different Nice, because we weren't doing pills. We weren't doing shots. We weren't doing this crash diet thing because to me, weight loss wasn't my goal for patients. My goal was that you were there in 10, 15, 20 years. My goal was health and fundamental health. 
Because when you get fundamental health right, the weight will take care of itself. My thing was sustainability. And I have people four or five years after doing the program that have maintained or lost more. And so that sustainability and teaching them how to do that, that was my goal. That was my uh, clinical initiative. Uh, And so far, we've, we've got some pretty good uh, results. I'm pretty proud so of it. So one of the fun things that I read and I want to I want to find out more about is you also did cooking classes for your patients. Oh yeah, yeah. That was I I have never seen in 20 years of business anything that people got a kick out of and really reacted to really? more than that. So about four years into the program, three years into the program, it was just very clear patients were having difficulty with the food part. And it was what to get, how to prepare it, uh, how to get enough. Because, you know, you asked what was the biggest lie. Well, eat less and exercise more is is the lie. And the reality is we got to eat a heck of a lot of the right stuff. A heck of a lot of the right stuff. So that usually is seven to 10 cups of vegetables a day, right? And I, you know, I don't know about you. Oh. People bring me donuts. They don't bring me broccoli. Yeah, no, yeah. Right? They don't, they, and, and good broccoli. It's like yeah. there's something that's yeah. like well, so one of the grilled or whatever, just straight up raw. Um, I, I can totally relate because we did one of those cook, um, at-home cooking boxes where it's like the box shows up at your doorstep. It's got all the ingredients. I'm pulling out these ingredients. I'm like, what is this? Oh, that's right. Yeah. We did like, uh, we can say the we name, like a, Blue Apron or something like that. Yeah. And, and Blue, there was just yeah. all this stuff we've never cooked before. Yeah, that we would have never looked at or picked at the grocery store. And right. um, the last one I did, which was Home Chef, um, again, Stuff showed up in the packet, and I'm like, I've never cooked with this. Don't know what it tastes like. Sure, we'll try it. And, like, uh, parsnips. I was like, okay, that's just a weird albino-looking carrot. (laughs) I'm going to stick to the bright orange ones that I know and like. And I was finding more stuff like that and also ways to prep it that I was like, okay, this is pretty awesome. So it's it's inner – I think that's awesome is just introducing people to – these are the healthy things that you walk by and think it looks weird in the produce section, but let's cook it like this and now try it. Okay. Hey, now there's something new I like. So, so kind of, can you give us just a, a, like an overview of the program? Is it group counseling? Is it individual counseling? What's the, when, if, if a patient says, or if a potential customer says, tell me about I'm ready to jump this on thing the health you do. plan. I'm ready. What is it? What's, mm-hmm. what's the plan? What's the walkthrough? How often are the yeah. cooking classes? Yeah, it's uh, actually we've been really busy the last three or four months. Um, like I've got two new ones this week. Um, so it's a 12-week program. It starts out there. We plan on them meeting with me. I'm the, I'm the health coach mostly because it's a pharmacist-led lifestyle and weight management program. That's what I actually am doing. Um, I don't think it has to be the pharmacist completely, but it has to be pharmacist led in my Mm. world. But I haven't let go of it because I love the clinical aspect and I love interacting with people. Um, So we every two weeks people come and visit. And it's actually what I tell them is what we're doing was we're correlating these changes to what's going on in their body. And we measure the body in different ways, lots of different ways. I've got a body composition machine. I've got a tape measure. I've got all these different things that I use. 
But more than that, I'm, I'm actually training them to listen to their body because actually you're the only one that really knows what's going on in that machine, that unique machine you've got. So what I train them is to listen and be a little bit better reporter and and then we uh, we're actually co-researchers, really, mm. on this whole process. And so every two weeks for the 12 weeks, we're going to be engaging in conversations and strategies. I coach people on a Mediterranean, a modified Mediterranean approach. Why? It's the one that has people live longer. Now, everybody's different. So what I find is we have to modify almost every time off of that. Uh, the modification is a low glycemic approach. So we've got everybody who has prediabetes, about 80% of the people are having some level of insulin resistance. So I approach it from the fact that everybody walking into my pharmacy could benefit, myself included, from a, an insulin resistant type of an approach. Uh, it's one-on-one, -on -one. it's very customized, very personalized, very therapeutic relationship. And I do have group events. So I've had group events like potlucks. I've had group events, uh, cooking demos. I've got uh, group events uh, like one this weekend. I've been doing a, a hormone balance seminar for about uh, eight years now. Um, and I've got one coming up this weekend where we, I give them the fundamentals of how their body works. And sometimes when they see that, they get some aha moments of, ah, oh, that browser's up on my computer. That browser's up. Maybe I can get some of those to turn off. So I start empowering them to actually um, take some of the actions. Because what a pharmacist knows, what a patient knows, isn't the game. It's what you're able to routinely implement that is actually what causes the shift, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I've figured out, and trust me, people have been yelling at me from my program for a long time. I had spent the last couple of years trying to figure out what am I actually doing that creates the results. Uh, a lot of it is the connection, but a lot of it is a different strategy than what has traditionally been out there. And the other piece that pharmacists are uniquely can bring to the table is the whole impact of drugs on this whole system. Yeah, right. Let me tell you, they're messing it up. Uh, it could be said that a lot of the obesity uh, that is showing up in our society is secondary to medications. Uh, I I firmly believe that, oh, really? and we're not like we're not being responsible as uh, the health industry that we've actually created some of these problems. Huh. So, what would be one of your favorite su patient success stories that you sell, or that you share? I mean, but also kind of sell of hey, this is a well, you know. I've got lots of testimonials. He's got some more and they're all humbling, incredibly humbling. And as are the Google reviews, but I, and I don't really sell to patients based on that. I actually ask them what they want. Mm. And then I actually see if this might be a program that can help them get what they want. But I have had some incredible journeys. I had this one uh, lovely woman, I've known her for 30 years, so she's definitely one of my long-term patients, but I hadn't seen her in about the last 15 years. And she came in and she said, Kathy, I retired. I've been a high-pressured high accountant. Um, I just can't get this weight off. And she's like, I grow my own food. I pickle my own food. I know mm -hmm. organic. I eat really well, but I can't get this food off. 
And so in our conversation, she mentioned that she had pain and she mentioned that she had balance issues. And, uh, and what I say about pain is people say no pain, no gain. I say, if you're in pain, you'll gain, <laughs> right? Oh, pain, yeah. pain is like 10 people yelling at you all the time to the nervous system. And it will definitely shut down some ancillary uh, biochemistry so that you can tolerate, <clears throat> excuse me, and deal with the pain. So in her case, I referred her to a colleague who <clears throat> could help potentially with those issues. And we, I, def, I do that where I think necessary. And she came back and she told me the story about when she went to my friend who was a chiropractor, physical therapist. Within a minute, he said, what did you do in this part of the back? And she said, well, when I was nine, I had a basketball accident and I couldn't walk for four months. Holy moly. Wow. Yeah. 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 And then she said, well, it was kind of over the summer. So I just started getting up and started really pushing myself to walk again. And he said, he said, I think this is part of your balance issue. So he adjusted her and she lost four pounds that week. And I was, it was remarkable. But what it was is her body was having to spend a ton of that energy keeping her upright, right? And so she wasn't able to utilize that energy because it was all, she had a high demand from that, that dysfunction. And so it was like, wow, I had no clue, but I just had an instinct that there was something fundamentally going on. And what was that, what was interesting and, uh, is I asked her one more question in this. I was really excited about that. I asked her, I said, what had you get up at nine years old and push yourself to start walking again? And she said to me, um, she said, I thought my parents would send me away. Oh, no. I thought I was too much trouble for oh, them. No. So there's another piece to obesity and weight is early trauma, right? And so as a nine-year-old in her brain, she was afraid, right? Mm, right. And her body, what we know about uh, trauma and early trauma and adverse childhood experiences that it literally sets the physiology up for a certain manifestation. And unless you can identify that, unless you can acknowledge that, it just works underneath the surface on you. And so we talked about that a bit and she's like, whoa. And so I saw her, I, I mean, she, she probably completed about five months ago. And I saw her like last week, she said, I got my life back. Okay. Mm. So there's no one size fits all. We're all so unique. And what I've done is created a personalized approach, an empowerment approach to, to help patients understand and navigate health. Because here's one other thing. I fundamentally believe really to my core, no one wants to be sick and no one wants to be fat. I think pretty fair. I think, think that's, that's fair? I think that's pretty fair. All right. So, yeah. um, so you, so you have supplements, <laughs> right. That you, you yeah. branded yourself. Do you have other pharmacies that are using those supplements? Not yet. Um, remember I told you I was a business hack and, and my focus is on patients. So the business part I'm, I'm still getting help with and getting launched. Uh, I am working to launch. So back to the food initiative, uh, I've changed my whole front end or I'm in the process of changing it to more of a lifestyle focus. Okay. Interesting. So 
like yesterday, I got in this amazing cast iron cookware and sold a pan the first day. What? She's she's dealing pots. <laughs> Sorry. I am. <laughs> I am. Uh, pots that will help you not be anemic, too, by the way. So uh, uh, yeah. there is a method to my madness in in some of that. But so why should is, why should everybody cook with cast iron then? Well, there it's it's a believe it or not, low iron is the number one nutrient deficiency of the world. And in the United States, it's largely undiagnosed uh, iron deficiency. Okay, because we don't check for it until we're anemic. Right. And you can be iron deficient for like a decade prior to uh, anemia to where it's so bad that you don't have enough blood cells. Right. And we don't look for that because the way we access medicine is you have to be sick. Right. You have to get so far down the pike where you are diagnosable that we aren't helping people actually be well. And Frankly, we've been told some really wonky things about nutrition over the last 50 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, eat no red meat, what might have some benefit for some genetics, could be totally decimating, horrific for other genetics, right? And and I want to say the only thing worse than too little iron is too much. Mm -hmm. So there's this, this balance. So cooking in cast iron was one of those cultural things that happened for hundreds of years until the 60s or 70s. It fell out, and then that little opportunity, and then that plus no red meat, in the diet, you got very little iron. Mm. So it's like this, this perfect storm that came in. So cooking in cast iron can be a great thing. Do you do any point-of-care testing? For your patients or? You know, I've tried over the years, but not really at this point. I, I do have direct-to-consumer labs available, and they do use that. Uh, most of what I'm doing is uh, based on symptoms. And then it, I, if, and I have a little bit of, of consumer testing, but I usually wait until what we try doesn't work gotcha. for a little bit. Um before I spend their money. I'd rather than take that money and go buy vegetables, to be honest. Um, so I would say more about the food thing, because one of the things we tried last the last two years is we're selling organic vegetables, uh, subscriptions to organic vegetables out of the pharmacy. We had over 250 baskets last year. And with that, we provided recipes and we did more cooking demos to, to just engage patients. And Right before COVID, I was doing some cooking demos around uh, December, I guess. And I had this one long-term patient come who is diabetic. And and she told me she came to December and then she came to January. And she said, my blood sugars are down 10 points from that cooking demo. That's awesome. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. It is crazy. Great. And it's so much fun. (laughs) So where do you, what, what are your dreams? Where, where is Dr. Kathy going from where De- Dr. Kathy is today? Uh, all right. Big dream. I want to create a culture that produces health for my children and their children. Okay. It's a big game. Uh, culture drives health. You and I don't. Uh, when, I, when I teach about culture, what I want you to think about 
uh, well, actually, I started thinking about this with a Nike commercial several years ago for the Olympics. And on the Olympics, there was this uh, this Olympian, and all I heard was him say, I haven't had dessert in three years. And so I started thinking about that. I'm like, wow, what would the life of an Olympian be? You know, what would they eat? When would they sleep? What would they read? Who would they talk to? What air would they breathe? Literally, mm -hmm. with your Olympian, they manipulate all those things. It's a very uh, radical culture that is totally accepted in our society in lieu of that, that goal of the gold medal. It's, it's radical, but it's accepted. So I started thinking about what's my culture? What is my health culture, right? And it became very clear that we exist in a culture that if, if you don't do something, it, you will produce disease. The culture's driving disease. And then I, you know, I'm teaching this, and I've got a course out with NCPA called Creating Health. Mm -hmm. And in it, I was reviewing that definition of culture and what came up was a Petri dish. So a culture is the medium with which you grow on or you grow something on. Mm -hmm. And so I had people really consider what's the medium that you are growing on. So we have a culture that will produce disease. In 1980, and I think everybody on this podcast probably remembers 1980s, one in 5%, one in 20, children under the age of 18 dealt with a chronic disease. And we all knew them. They were that type one diabetic, right. you know, right. pretty much. Today, it's one in, one in two. It's 50% of children wow. uh, live with a chronic disease. And those are, adult, they will become adults with chronic disease. They're the canaries in the coal mine. We've got some real issues that we have to start looking at this medium that we call our world to see if we can change. And my big goal is to shift that. Now, I, I don't know how that's all going to happen. I think I'm going to need an army of help. And I, I am engaging pharmacists everywhere I go. I'm engaging senators because I really want my grandbabies to be born in a society where it's easy to be healthy. So I'm just kind of curious for... What is your advice for somebody who um, still has to have their daily sugars? Like um, me, it used to be I used to put down the Reese cups and like for somebody else uh, has to have his Diet Cokes. Yeah. Yeah. So what I would be your attacked. advice? Yeah, for, yeah, I think. I think I, oh, I kicked both of y'all. Both of y'all have to have I your feel, diet coke. I, I can be okay you're, without it. You're diet better coke. without it than me. But yeah. It's a great question. It's a really great question. It's what I deal with all day, every day. So because there's so much sugar that shows up in our day, there's an awful lot of insulin that shows up in our bodies. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I know insulin. Every pharmacist on this podcast knows insulin. It's one of the two most dangerous drugs that comes out of a pharmacy. Except every time we eat sugar, we're injecting a bolus of insulin endogenously inside of us, right? And it's not the sugar that really, I mean, sugar is causing problems. Don't get me wrong. The insulin is ultimately what is causing the damage. And so I coach people on pulling that back in that train up mm -hmm. and and it's not easy because when insulin is high your brain goes into this huge fight or flight 
And that craving for sugar is not, uh, uh, you might get some, it's a go eat wallpaper now kind of craving, right? Yes. And when I, and when I, when I understand I this so much. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's a primitive brain thing. Yeah. And I've had people get up and eat it at night when they were totally unconscious. So wow. yeah. it is your body surviving the high insulin level. Now, the, the game is, and that's part of what we do in the first phase of the weight loss, is we try to back to gently get that that insulin level to retreat. And I tell people, you have to eat to do that. You have to eat the things that don't stimulate insulin, which generally is your fats. So that might be nuts, that might be olives, that might be string cheese, something other than sugar. Now, if you do it, I tell people it could be two weeks of being yelled at internally because mm. I see that craving for sugar a lot like a uh, thirst, right? Nobody blames themselves for being thirsty, but that that drive for sugar is the same kind of instinct, right? The problem is every time you grab it, which is really easy to do in our society, mm -hmm. it stimulates more insulin. Now, put yourself a thousand years ago, how off the rail could you go if you had a craving for sugar? It's probably more difficult yeah. To, yeah. To, to access yeah. quick sources of of instant delight, I guess. Yes, I would agree. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, our ancestors ate that which didn't run away from them, right? Yeah. And what are you going to do? Fight a bear if you had a bad day? Get some honey? You know, it, it's just the I problem put it past is we have one. a... <laughs> I love that analogy. Sorry. I love that analogy. <laughs> some days, we, yes. We just have a crazy culture where it's 90, I think it's 90% of the foods made have added high fructose corn syrup and all right. this other stuff. It's just... So I actually coach patients in being a little countercultural, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a little radical. And don't look up the uh, the definition of a cult leader because it's like warily close. But <laughs> go against go against that society Wall Street thing that says sugar, sugar, sugar. Mm. So gosh, I love that. Sugar? I'm so I'm so pumped after uh, just this piece. He's, um, he's gonna go fight a bear and put I'm, down yeah, the diet coke. No, yeah, I'm gonna go fight a bear <laughs> and then not eat sugar is what I'm gonna go do. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have to eat to do it, and you have to eat stuff that doesn't stimulate it, which is your nuts and your olives and your pickles and stuff that that doesn't generate that that vicious cycle. Okay. What is your um your class for NCPA? What is it? What's the goal there? Well, it's a great question. So, um, like I said, people have been asking me for this program, for what I'm doing. And to be honest, there I have to create a mindset shift because I personally, with my own uh, ethics, can't put something out there that uh, could be used as a weapon or traumatize patients. And weight loss could definitely do that. I, I mean, so I, I felt like I had to get the mindset shift out there. And so uh, with NCPA, we created Creating Health, pharmacist-led lifestyle and weight management. It's a six-and-a-half-hour uh, shallow but broad dive into the different components of what your body's dealing with that could result in weight. So it is, it is you have to go from it, eat less, exercise more, 
you're wrong if you aren't exercising, you're shamed if you aren't eating right, to a your body's doing exactly what it needs to do to survive, how do we help it, right? Mm -hmm. Very different approaches to this. And so the Creating Health course was the first stab at that. I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, we were going to set to do it a lot in 2020, but we ended up putting it on video. Right. I was able, had about three people listen to me deliver it. <laughs> uh, so it is out on video and we're looking forward to that. So that's the first phase in helping people go forward. I'm in some beta tests right now with some pharmacies to figure out what the next phase is going to look like. Nice. And I am launching uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks, really, a food-based niche subscription. So one of the things I've done for my patients are recipe cards. Okay. That's even on and, like a little RX label. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. It looks like a prescription. It does. Dr. It Kevin totally does. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. So we're going to co-brand it with other pharmacies and uh, help pharmacists start shifting the conversation of what a pharmacy is. Uh, I, where do you go to, to get healthy? Well, most people don't think of a pharmacy for that. They think of a pharmacy when you're sick. And I wanted to be the one that my patients came to instead of people that don't have the chops and the skills and the chemistry knowledge and the, the disease state knowledge. I wanted to be the one that helped them with being well, not just when they got sick. And so this is the first stage in starting to shift that conversation in a pharmacy because patients intuitively know food's part of it. They just don't really know where to go to get it. And I've had patients who did the weight loss said, I've never thought of a pharmacy for this, but it or a pharmacist for this, but it makes so much sense. So we're going to start that first baby step for people. It's a low price point. It's a low entry. They're going to be able to print it out and at the point of sale, have a conversation that says, hey, let's let's get some more vegetables in your um, in your in your diet. And remember drugs only work as an adjunct to diet and exercise. So it's a piece that actually has the medicines work better, better so, outcome. So what is going to print out at the point of sale? Well, we're going to have the recipe cards they can give away. And it, I'm calling it Dr. Kathy Farm to Pharmacy uh, oh, as, as the first stage on this. And then we'll go from there. All right. So Dr. Kathy Farm to Pharmacy, that's mm -hmm. the branded recipes. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yep. Is that a is that a food subscription as well, or is just the, is it's the recipes? Nope. Just it's an information uh, information for pharmacies. I'm targeting pharmacists and pharmacies to start delivering this. It's not direct to consumer yet okay. at all. If I even do that, I want to support pharmacies. Right. Dr. Kathy Health was a, a company that I created. Because I kept getting all this information, people coming at me for this. And so I created this and we I really wanted to reliably create and deliver products and services to support pharmacy based health and wellness. OK, and this is like our first initiative. And then I see down the road possibly having the weight loss uh, approach being part of that and maybe the private label. I actually am also working on a private label for foods. I want some clean foods that we can put in the pharmacy that we can suggest people try with these recipes that will help 
you know, olive oils and balsamics and mm-hmm. even some of that. So I'm working on all that. What's, what's kind of your ideal, I'm going to, I'm going to go back kind of think about a community pharmacy and I'm trying to diversify revenue streams or get away from just, um, you know, your, your traditional pharmacy cost of goods model. What, what's the opportunity in a, in a normal community pharmacy to, to go to, to increase your percentage of, of services based, um, revenue? in a model like this? Like, what what do you see? I'm sure you've looked at other people's weight loss programs, and I know you know your own really well. What's the opportunity there from a, from a like maybe percentage of revenue perspective? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I could say on a percentage of revenue. I do know that over, since I initiated the program five years ago, it's been an extra, at, at just the program fees, not mm-hmm. even the supplement right. side. Uh worth of increased revenue and and cash flow. And you and I both know it's not profit that drives you out of business. It's no cash flow. It's cash flow, right. The PBMs know that too. Mm -hmm. And so being able to have implemented an extra $10,000 worth of cash flow um, has made a huge difference in my ability to be here. So um, I think think and what I'm working towards is I think it's a model that could sustain pharmacy and produce health. Yes. Number one, for sure. Well, but let me tell you who's interested in producing health. It's the patient Uh and the catastrophic insurers and the employers. So I'm in conversation with all of those. And before the pandemic hit, I was doing lunch and learns and working with self-insured employers who were really actually interested in their patients being well. Uh, So that's the strategy I'm I'm using is direct to consumer. um, And then employers and catastrophic insurers are very interested in this too, because there's the ones picking up the, the bill for the early delivery or the heart attack or the cancer. And, we know those things happen sometimes even way before the actual diagnosis. What's going on, the conditions are ripe for that. And, and I'm pretty clear we can alter those conditions. And if you pay me to do that, I, the, well, we know pharmacists are worth every dollar yeah. you spend on them. Yes, and then some. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it's super interesting. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, you know think of so-and-so pharmacy and weight management, you know, would you, would you actually put, would you actually put something about weight in the name or would I can see that you you could, if you wanted to get that, I guess, overt. I'm thinking Google. I'm not thinking, I I know you're thinking you want to be pharmacy and health hub or health. We had to call it Dr. Kathy weight loss. So Dr. Kathy weight loss.com was how we initially branded it. So it was like right out there. Right. That, yeah. Um, And uh, trust me, there were people in my community weren't very happy with Dr. Kathy and they weren't very happy with the weight loss conversation. I mean, because being bold enough to, to actually call myself Dr. Kathy, Dr. Kathy was a branding initiative, right? right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and I've been in this in this town for 20 plus years, know all the doctors, and some of them weren't very happy with me actually owning that title. Uh, but here's how I adapted: the doctor means teacher in Latin, right? right? And that's who I am. I'm a teacher, and I have a piece of paper that says I have a doctorate, so I actually am legit there. But 
it's teacher. And then I have a good friend of mine, because I was very uncomfortable being Dr. Kathy. I'm kind of the one that just sits back and takes care of business and yeah. says hi to everybody and does the work. But being the commitment for a better future for my children has me stand up and say, nice. this is this is who I am. Yep. And a, a good friend of mine, uh, a huge leader in pharmacy, she said, Kathy, Dr. Kathy isn't a brand, it's a stand. Mm-hmm. And and it really is. It's a stand for the world that we have a world that is health. So, huh. yeah, well, and pharmacists can deliver it, you know, like, yeah. and, and that's what that doctor helps say, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not just it Dr. Does. Kathy. You're right. It's every pharmacist should be looked that way. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And how do you, how do you do that? You know, you, you gotta, you have a superhero, right? Not every pharmacy has a superhero. You know, how do you, how do you train? So it's not just teaching, you know, a lot of what you're doing is coaching in psychology and, mm-hmm. and, and, and driven by a, a, a strong personality and a and, desire and, to yeah, help. And, and really strong branding principles, yep. right? If you think about how you went to market with it. And how do you, how yeah. do you take that and expand it to, because really for independent pharmacy to succeed, this is where it has to go. You know, you have to, the, the making a percent of a product that's getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper is not, uh, we had a guy on a couple of weeks and, and multiple people saying that, that the, the prescriptions need to be the way to get the people in the door. You're going to have to make money somewhere else. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's the model that the big guys have been doing. Right, they're making their money in the in the convenience store. Yeah, and the cokes, and cosmetics, the, and, the, and yeah. drinks. Right, and they're candy. not making. They, you know, they uh, the the guys that they're controlling two thirds of the market have defined a market that's based on that the the uh, dr- drugs are the loss leader. You know, prescriptions mm-hmm. are the loss leader. So pharmacies got to move to clinical and wellness and and how do we how do we move that crowd. Um, how many pharmacies do you currently work with on your program? Um, that's I don't have any. I would say three. Well, I've been coaching a small chain of pharmacies to go into the more wellness space for a couple years now. Mm-hmm. Um, the hometown group up in Wisconsin, and that they've made great strides in shifting. And Jeff, you nailed it. I mean, I've been looking at uh, how people don't want me but they want what I produce, right? I I have to take myself and my ego or whatever my skill sets are out. And I've got, and that's what I say. I've been trying to figure out what am I doing Mm -hmm. and how do I teach it? Right. So I, the creating health course was really a deep dive into answering those questions. It's like, how do I take me out of it and then empower a pharmacist with their basic skill set? And you got to get, I'm, I'm coming at it that I know what a PharmD to get that degree, I know there's a basic level of knowledge there, right? Yep. And so I'm I'm basically building off of that. It's what am I doing that's producing the outcomes? And that's what I'm trying to distinguish. I will say one little project. It sounds like I've got a lot of projects in my <laughs> It does staff sound like agree. you've got a little bit of going <laughs> on there. <laughs> a little bit of one of ADD, the many. I think, too. Uh, I, I've I'm trying to pull together all the data of my 350 plus patients to have a paper, a scientific paper to to actually see what the statistical impact of this community-based pharmacist-led lifestyle program actually did and what was our our outcome. So I think once we get that paper done, we might have a little different set of 
you know, in our game, in the science world, that actually is a communicate that communicates some stuff. So we're working on that. But you nailed it in that. How do you replicate you? Yep. And I it and I'm I don't I don't think it's me. I think it's what I produce, and that's what I'm working to try to teach people to be able to reproduce. That makes well, sense. I, you know, I I can. Um, you know, it comes down to if if every independent pharmacy was had your drive and doing the things you're doing, uh, it would be game over. I, I think that you'd hear, um, Hey, CVS decides to stop selling prescriptions. <laughs> you, you know, it just wouldn't be, it'd be a whole in a country changing event. We would be healthier. We would be and and how we take people like you and, and spread that. I'm Cloner. super excited. NCPA is helping you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's just amazing. You know, thank you. Yeah. You, you know, you want to say congratulations, but no, it's, thank you yeah. for, for what you're doing. You're a hard worker. Um, there are plenty of places to find where you're talking and, and a lot of that stuff doesn't, is, is not paying the bills, right? Right. To, whether it's right. a TED talk, whatever. So anything we can do to help, let us know. Uh, love to be a part of, of uh, your mission. You know, our, our mission is to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. We don't have a business if independent pharmacies not around because I'm not interested in <laughs> the other guys and what they are. do and what their objectives are. So um, love to any ways you can think of that we can help, please contact us anytime. And um, maybe I think we'd probably love to have you. We have a show every year. We'd love to have you speak at. Oh yeah. Teach a class yeah, um, on that. Uh, some people will say that that, that gathering is uh, the biggest group on entrepreneurially minded. Very motivated group. Uh, yes. Group in the country. We tend to attract uh, that kind of person. So I think you'd see a, hopefully get a, maybe have some big adoption and, and maybe find some people that help you with your goals of moving those along. So, yeah. Well, thank, thank you. And thanks uh, for what you bring to this industry and your commitment and stand, uh, because it does boil down to what we're being able to provide to our communities. We have to look to, to partners like you help us with the business because we, we aren't business people. Like I said, it's a full-time job being a great pharmacist, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, we, there are some really ethical business people out there that could are helping with this and I and you guys are definitely one of them and I really appreciate the opportunity to speak and share uh share a dose of Dr. Kathy for sure (laughs) yeah yeah well it's been great thank you for your time today and uh Thank you so look, much for joining us. Don't let it be Thank the you. last. Let's let's really no. We're let's, doing it. Yeah, no. yeah. Let's 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 do some stuff together. And, so. it, and it makes total sense to do this again, like next year. She's got betas. She's no, got I, pilots I, we, going. We yeah, need to do I more stuff to before then. Follow your journey and <laughs> yep. and see how you progress in a year from now. Yeah, we Which need to help. Be so. great a year from now. She's yeah. got great. Thank ex- you, Doctor Kathy. Examples. Thank you so Thank much you. for your time. Thanks. I'm ready to fight a bear and eat a salad. Well. Good luck with the Diet Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Catalyst Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking, subscribing, and or following us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. Follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform for the latest up-to-date pharmacy news and content.